Ladies, gentlemen, poops in between. Welcome on and welcome all to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. It is episode 148. You're hearing an American accent give the intro for the first time since 1821. And that's largely down to me. I've been, frankly, just haven't been good enough. Been roasted a few times, but... I will say, it, it honestly got a little hurtful there at the end because um, I wasn't even getting roasted anymore. <laughs> so I was like, damn, bro, they just gave up on me. Um, but <clears throat> we're back in action. We're doing this thing. I'm coming back because Arsenal's coming back. That was a, See, I was just protesting the World Cup, so that's why I wasn't here at all. Um, but, yeah, we're going we're gonna to give you guys a nice, actual Arsenal-oriented podcast today just to sort of preface things. Uh, before we get into it, I just had a tooth ripped out of my face today, uh, just a few hours ago. So bear with me if I, you know, start crying because I miss tooth number 32, or if I start spitting blood all over to the microphone, all over the microphone. Just, just bear with me, folks. Um, I'm currently drugged up right now, so we're having a good time. Speaking of that catchphrase, we're having a good time. I'm joined by. I'm gonna, I'll, I guess I'll start with him because that's such a natural transition. Um, I'm gonna say they're furious. You guys will probably not post a video of this, but Mac is fucking so happy. And Rob is, oh, oh Rob, no, Rob has, <laughs> Rob, Rob has left the podcast, folks. He has walked out. Oh my God, this is terrible. Um, no, but let's. I'm sorry, Rob. It's nothing personal. It was just the transition was there and it was perfect. So, those are the two guys. Let's start off with uh, Mac Johnson, the celebrity. Mac, what's up, man? What are you saying, lads? Yeah, I'm decent. I'm decent. Ah, fucking hell, I can't do it. Uh, no, I'm, that was I'm having nice. a good time. I'm amazed those, all right? Uh, it's no, very good. <laughs> no, I'm doing okay. I am, as always, happy to be here, happy to be joined by. Now, the first time I think ever that you have been <laughs> given the third seat behind me, Rob. Um, it must feel terrible. But, I, I, you know, we'll call it age order. We'll call it maturity. We'll call it Danny's feeling loopy because he's just got his entire jawbone put out of his head. Uh, no, nah, just a pleasure to be here. Excited. I think I was having this talk with my dad. Always me with my dad. Um, we like about a week and a half, two weeks into the World Cup. We were like, you know what? Love the football every day. Love watching it all. The spectacle's cool. I have such bad Arsenal fever right now. It wasn't enough, of course, to shell out like the £7.99 for every single pay-per-view friendly that are useless. I didn't do that. But I am genuinely so excited for Boxing Day and just excited to talk about actual Premier League again. It's just, it's, I'm, I'm, I've got, got a big old smile on, man. Yep, same here. And it's not many times that I look forward to Christmas finishing. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, just get just get, get get out of here. Hurry up, you know. Uh, but that's that's the love of the Gooners we all have, baby. Um, let's go to the man, the myth, the legend with the versatile name, Rob Bart Bertha. I, I hope we called you something crazy the other day. Birdie or something. I was like, holy cow, he came out. I, I with think the, it was it was Berthy. Birthday. Sorry. Yeah. I was yeah. like, wow. That was absurd. What a creative genius. Um, so Rob, or, or actually, let me, sorry, it's been so long, Rusty. The man that I so like to call, I should say. Amoxicillin. 
Amoxicillin, how are you? I'm, I'm feeling better for, for some amoxicillin, I have to say. Um, Daniel, uh, it, it's great to have you on the show. I, I suppose... I've sort of been left in a position where I'm, I'm sort of wishing we had this this World Cup break every single year because it, it just came at such a convenient time for all of us. Um, it's always the case. Anyone who's a sort of long-term listener to this podcast, um, we we tend to have a little dip in the late November, early December period when we've all got deadlines and such. <laughs> but Daniel's deadlines are behind him, so he doesn't have that excuse anymore. Um, but yeah... Uh, I've got to say, I I did very much enjoy the World Cup, and I, I do have slight mixed emotions about club football returning, or, or at least I did. And then I watched Man City Liverpool tonight, and I was like, yeah, this this is a little bit better than international football. And yeah, of course, I can't wait for Arsenal to return. Arsenal returning has never been like something that I've had mixed feelings about. It's just mainly everything else. Like, I could invest myself into pretty much every World Cup game, whereas Premier League games sometimes you, you have to force yourself to think oh I'm, I'm, I really want to give this a watch but um, no it, it's great that Arsenal are back and yeah club football nothing compares to it absolutely not I mean I, I love the World Cup too it was great for everything going on off the field the stuff that was happening on it was just brilliant I mean the greatest player of all time undoubtedly by the way and he was already the greatest player of all time before winning the World Cup um, but now he has won the World Cup and it's, so it feels like in a weird way that football has like sort of like got to the, the part of the book that's like the epilogue, you know, and in a way like because that just needed to happen for the well-being of the sport. So I'm just so thrilled for him. And then on top of that, guys, uh, not guys, nations like Croatia and, and Morocco. I know one did it in a maybe not as admirable of a fashion, but still you can't. You can't undermine Croatia. The, what the, what they do is effective. So I just thought this World Cup was really fun. Uh, there was a ton of goals in it, despite the really slow start. Um, and, yeah, but with that being said, I'm just so happy that club football is back as well because I'll say this, maybe not from the Juventus-friendly um, um, like a week ago or so. That one wasn't very joyous to watch. By the way, shout-out to people that put illegal streams on Twitter. <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> Um, perfectly legal streams onto Twitter. Um, we appreciate you so much. But the, you know, the other friendlies where we're, we're just looking good and we're playing well, actually, and winning. I just got so much more joy from those friendly Arsenal games than I did from basically the entire World Cup, apart from maybe the final. So it's just so great to um, have Arsenal back playing again. But I guess before we get into Arsenal, maybe we should chat a little bit about the World Cup, um, just to show some respect to it um, since it's over now. So I'll come to you first, Mac. Um, what did, uh, what were your overall thoughts on it? And I'm going to ask you guys both a sort of random question. I have a feeling I know who you each were rooting for, obviously. Um, but who did you kind of have a soft spot for throughout the tournament? So that's a double-barreled question. Um, who were you rooting for and what did you think of the tournament? Well, first of all, before I even get into the World Cup, Daniel, I'm appreciating the irony that you have named Rob amoxicillin in this episode, because I'm allergic to amoxicillin, and I'm very glad that we are not recording this in person. Um, I It is the only thing that I've ever had like a proven allergy to. It's the, the penicillin family, but yeah, don't feed me pills. Um, on a di- very different note, 
in terms of okay, uh, just yeah. to interject how how do you get better when you're ill uh different medications meant for those who are allergic to penicillin they do oh, it's, okay it's, yeah nice. it's just like i actually i wrote a, like a paper about this when i was in like year five or fifth grade or terms of the same um as like an extra credit project the dude who invented penicillin did it by accident by finding bread mold um and apparently whatever the fermentation process of bread mold is is the reason why people are allergic to penicillin amoxicillin etc like it's some of the chemical compounds or the reactions therein yeah that, it makes sense yeah. that people are allergic to to that really it, it, <laughs> it, it would right exactly um and it's pretty commonplace i actually both my mom and my dad are allergic to penicillin my sister got off scot-free uh fucking somehow but you know on aside from my allergy um world cup joyous i'd say in terms of the entire tournament um coming in I would say the United States, of course, were my team that I was looking out for. I always have a soft spot for England that probably would not exist if Bukayo Saka didn't exist or played for a different country. Um, not to say he ever would or kind of has any chance to, but like I've realized recently that he really is the reason why I'm quite invested in England these days. Um, I think... If I hadn't been, I probably would have gone to... I mean, I loved Croatia in 2018. I probably would have pivoted back to them. But Morocco, actually, in a bet that I had with a couple of friends, and I've told this story, but in a bet that I had with a couple of friends, I uh, Morocco were like my dark horse team that I wanted to advance. I kind of picked them out of default, and then they I became very quickly excited about what they had to provide. Um, yeah, man. Happy days. That was fun. In terms of the final... I came in really wanting Argentina to win. I don't like either team. I think Argentina are shitty and France are the favorites, and I don't like back-to-back winners in anything. Um, that's just a thing I have, unless it's Arsenal, of course. But um, but genuinely, I kind of ended up supporting Argentina for the first like f- 50 minutes of that final, getting so PO'd with the refereeing, because it was horrible, that I just wanted like a close, actually fair game so when the goals started flying in late, I was quite happy. And then Argentina won, I think, deservedly. Um, but just, I, I do want to give a quick shout out to Kylian Mbappe for scoring a goddamn hat trick and losing the World Cup final. Um, I've never and heard in the, And in the shootout, too. Yes. So four, yes, really. I, I, I've, I've never heard anything more French. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I, I, don't even, no, I, I don't even have to say for me. Mbappe is the best player in the world. That's it. Messi is the best player of all time. Like, I, I think it's one of them two, depending on how things go for PSG this season, you know, like in terms of their individual stuff, I think one of them surely has to win the Ballon d'Or for me. Um, we'll see what happens, though. Uh, uh, Rob, same same question to you, man. Who were you, uh, who were you pulling for? And um, Aside from England, obviously, because I, I know just like Mac and I, you – we're rooting for your nation, and your nation actually had a chance to win, unlike ours. Ours was just – supporting the U.S. was kind of fun because it was like we knew we didn't really have a chance of winning, so it was just a, a good time. But you guys actually had a chance and um, ended up going out. So who aside from them did you like and would you make at the tournament? Yeah, you know, heading into the, into the tournament, of course, mixed emotions. Um, I think that's that's only natural. Um but the actual football itself, utterly fantastic. I think, uh, you know, I think for FIFA, 
having it as the messy World Cup is is quite convenient for them because I think a lot of the sort of atrocities heading into the tournament will be forgotten as a result of that. And uh, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I hated the whole post-match sort of ceremony with, you know, you had Salt Bay on the pitch and you had um, Messi wearing the, the sort of uh, whatever it was, uh, some sort of, Qatar royal jacket and and I've seen the justifications for that but you don't see sort of crowns put on a player's head in the UK for example when um when a player wins a world cup here so I wasn't a fan of that of Messi wearing the bisht um but yeah I thought the football was excellent I've got to say I was rooting for Spain and I was a bit gutted when they went out uh I just thought when I watched them against Costa Rica in that first match, they, they, the, the football they played was just utterly fantastic. Um, and it's sort of football which resonates with me a bit more as a bit of a... I'm not going to say I'm a full nerd like Alfie, but I am a, a semi-football nerd. <laughs> and I think that is really as close to club football what Luis Enrique was trying to do with Spain. And I hate the fact that it doesn't work <laughs> international level. I can understand why it doesn't, but I hate that it doesn't. Um, so yeah, I was rooting for Spain. I was disappointed when the, when they went out. Uh, as for England, uh, I thought it was the right time for Southgate to probably move on. Um, I was a bit disappointed that he announced that he'd be staying on, but I also struggle to think of someone out there who is sort of a natural shoe in fit. So yeah, that there's, there's sort of that um area of discourse for England fans and then if, as for the final sort of very similar to Mac during the final I was rooting for France um perhaps a tad surprisingly as, as a Brit um but you know there's something about the side that beat you then winning it um yeah, yeah um and then since it's finished I've been quite glad that Argentina won it and Messi got his moment. Um, yeah, what an, a, a brilliant, illustrious career. And I'd, I think I'd, Alfie would, would kick me if I, I didn't say, if, if you're sort of basing your, your football judgment off a, a mischance by Colo Moani as to who the greatest footballer of all time is, um, yeah, you should probably have a little rethink about how you're approaching your, your analysis of football. Yeah, I just don't, in that debate, I just... For me, the only one who even comes close to him, and I didn't get to watch him, I just know it from highlights, the only person that comes close to me is Maradona. And I, I think Messi is probably levels above him. So I just don't even understand the debate, really. People involving Cristiano Ronaldo in this debate, I just don't. Mac has something to say. He's raising his hand. Yes, dear. I, I was just going to do it when you were done, but I thought it was really, I love the little way it bobs up and down. I think it's hilarious. Um... And for those using Zencaster, you probably get it. Um, Peter Crouch said this in an interview, like on a podcast about a month ago. And I saw it on uh, Twitter a couple of nights ago. And I think it's the funniest thing. Um, he goes, listen, in terms of the Messi-Ronaldo greatest of all time debate, there is no debate. And if you say Ronaldo, I probably lose respect for you as a person. And, you know, I think it's fair, both in terms of the whole personal lives, personalities, existence thing. Um, because frankly, one of them happens to be like a better human and a better philanthropist and a better, in my mind, a better person to idolize, but also a better footballer. Um, frankly, I, you know, Ronaldo is an incredible player, head and shoulders above a lot of people, but like, no, (laughs) just, just no. 
No, not at all. And I think, I think in a way, Messi this tournament showed how he's significantly better than Ronaldo. I mean, yes, Ronaldo was on the bench, but I'm not even talking about that. It's the fact that Messi can dominate and control an entire game and then still get a goal or an assist. Ronaldo does not control games. He's a moment player. So I think it's terribly unfair to compare the two of them, to be honest. Um, Ronaldo, great player. One of, if not the best goal scorers of all time. You could say that, but as a player, no. no. I, I, yeah, I, I think I'd just like to have a little bit of input on it, um, if I may. Um, I, I, I completely agree that Messi, in terms of technical, technically gifted, um, just in terms of yeah, having having that ability that appears God given, it's clear that he's the greatest. Um, I do think recency bias has impacted discourse surrounding Ronaldo to an extent. I mean, he he just hasn't helped himself in the slightest. Um, I hope that he still sort of goes down as the hardest working footballer of all time because when he was sort of at the peak of his powers with Real Madrid, which wasn't even that long ago, let's remember, when they won three Champions Leagues in the row, an incredulous feat. And at that point in his career, there's an argument to be made he was better than Lionel Messi, which is a credit to him. Um, you know, out, outstanding, outstanding footballer when, when at that stage of his career. Um, and I hope that that's not forgotten just because of, him being an absolute mug at the end of his career, let's face it. I think, you know, he's well well within um, those sort of top four of all-time conversations, if, if if not top two. I mean, you know, we haven't watched Maradona and Pelé, so we, we can't really say. But in terms of our era, it's those two, and it's a credit to him, considering how naturally gifted Lionel Messi is, that he has been able to keep himself in, in those conversations for so long. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's important not to disregard sort of everything that Ronaldo has done for the game. Um, and it's really sad seeing what he's become. But, yeah, it's so good for Messi just to sort of silence all those that were perhaps on the fence or not even on the fence, but sort of delusionally st- still backing Ronaldo for, for some strange reason. It, it seems to have somewhat put the debate to bed. Yeah, I think a big part of the whole debate, I, I will agree with your recency bias statement. Um, I just still like, this is what I say to, about every top class player. I just don't understand why players are still going to Manchester United. I just don't get it. But I think that, kind of sums up his attitude. I think he's like, yeah, well, I'll be different. I'll do well and make them win. And it's like, no, dude, you definitely won't. Like, whereas, you know, you look at a Messi, for example, was like, they actually have a pretty outstanding front two already. Why don't I just go play with these guys and make one of the best front threes in the world? Like, that's just so much more intelligent. Um, and I think that is a, an interesting um, metaphor for those those two as, as personalities actually too but anyway um uh, one team i really liked in the world cup i guess i'll say um before we move on to arsenal i really like the way i think you could kind of compare them to spain a little bit was germany um they tried to play good ball and it just didn't work and i think much like spain it was just they were just hard done by because it's apparently a totally different sport international football so i um also love the African nations. I, I always, sorry, uh, Rob, but I always pull for the teams that aren't European um, because especially now I'm just so annoyed with how much the Europeans dominate the sport. So 
I think that's another reason why it's great that Argentina won. And then one last thing, I don't get this whole discourse about hating Argentina at all. Like, I know they're douchebags. I know they're shithousers. I don't have a problem with it. I like it. I think it's funny. I think it's effective. And I think having a, a good boy like Messi up front leading a, a just posse of these terrible, terrible personalities, you know, is genius. And it deserved a World Cup. So... I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll just say was, yeah, you, you, you love it. You love it when you're part of it and you hate it when you're not part of it. And it, it, it's pretty much as simple as that. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry I can't get behind Emmy Martinez um, sort oh. of um, mocking Kylian Mbappe when he conceded uh, four goals against him in the same game. Three of which were penalties which were all sent in the same direction. I mean, <laughs> come on, mate. <laughs> but I mean, it's also, and and for me... I would not put um, Emmy on the top of my list. For me, it was Rodrigo DePaul. I mean, how do you find a player who has this amazing ability to be physical and fierce and technical and have brilliant passing ability? I literally, I was actually yelling at the TV at a couple of points. Just he would get like sneezed on and go down holding his shin like he'd been shot in the head. And it, was, it was literally the first 10 seconds of yes. the final. He was on the and, floor. Yes, and he was getting called for it, like called on it every single time. Like there was no, I think that was my big frustration with the final and with the way Argentina played. It's like I am all for clever tactics, for gamesmanship, right? If Emmy Martinez is going to catch the ball off a floater, go take a nosedive and kick the ball 40 seconds later and do that for like 10 minutes at a time in every match they play again. There's a certain amount of respect I have for it and a certain amount of enjoyment because, Daniel, I'm not entirely unlike you in that I do quite enjoy a bit of a bastard player. It's why I loved, like, Lucas Torreira so much. Dude just didn't stop. But, like, at the end of the day, I think that, I don't know, for me, having a team that is, like, driven by that and that is their one thing, you know, it's like, listen, it's it's like, well, now you can't challenge them. You can't go near them. There's no physicality allowed in the game. It is kind of it's indicative of me of the problem that diving presents in the hole. And kind of that element of gamesmanship is probably my biggest area of frustration. And this is actually blazing hot take. Y'all y'all are willing to critique me on this because I will back it up. More than like VAR and actually okay, second least, because I can't stand when like how everything is political. Um and especially in the ways that like you know, human rights are being politicized. As I think it's abhorrent by like oh major footballing God, bodies. Yeah. But listen, it's been like, my la- least favorite thing about yes. this World Cup. Like people actively defending the Qatar human rights like policy. Like it, it's bizarre no, and claiming and that, that that is culture. I mean, I I don't want to go into this too much. We're an Arsenal I, podcast yeah. at the end of the day, but that is not culture. Human rights have nothing to do with culture. It's the same thing with institutionalized yeah. racism and everything that we experienced with Project Restart and taking the knee and. It's a debate that we have had, will continue to have. We don't need to necessarily get into it because our views have been very publicly stated on this. But I will say, there's nothing that annoys me more than the fact that you cannot get a foul without diving in the modern game. 
Um, you, I like, swear to God, I just said that to my dad like last week. No, genuinely. Um, and it's my favorite example to go back to, but it's like the Jesus one where he gets fouled in the box, tries to make a play on the ball. It trickles through goalie, gets it, goes and talks to the ref. Ref goes, if you go down, I call the penalty. It's still a foul in the box. There's He still can't make a play on the ball because of the foul in the box. Like this is a thing admitted by both Jesus and the referee in a post-match interview. It shouldn't be that way. Um, frankly, call the game. But that and that I think was my human rights aside biggest frustration with this World Cup is the thing. The two things that came most prevalently were bad refereeing around gamesmanship and diving, and bad refereeing around like teams that play anti-football. Um, you know, teams that sit deep. There was an entertaining amount of favoritism for that style, uh, which I do question, but I'll stop talking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see what you mean. And you were saying that about Argentina in the group chat, and I do. I think that Argentina's penalties, if it's me saying it, and I don't know if this is a little bit biased for me because shout-out Messi, shout-out Yerba Mate, shout-out big fan of the show Maverick. Um I felt like most of their penalties, if not all of them, were penalties. Um, but it is a little bit sus that they got like, <laughs> what is it, four penalties in the World Cup, you know? They, no, they got one in every elimination game. I mean, it is a little yeah. strange, you know. Um, but I mean, I, I just look at the final, for example. There was a lot of penalties that game. There was three. There was two for France. I don't think the ref got them all spot on. You know, I mean, it's hard not to with VAR these days, but still. Um, but I do, I do agree with what you're saying. Um, there was a a problem with officiating for sure, and it's kind of nice to see that it's not only in the Premier League. I guess it's literally just everywhere. Um, there's this one freaking ref in particular I can't stand. It's a La Liga one with the the big ring of baldness. Oh God, terrible ref. I just can't. You, you and Taylor Twelman both, Rob. You won't get this because you don't get American broadcasters, but like. <laughs> Taylor Twelman spent the entirety of the uh, Morocco. No, it wasn't Morocco. It was one of the Argentina games that that dude refereed talking about how he tends to like incense scenarios and is a terrible game manager and is a terrible referee. And I was like, I wonder why he's got all this like vitriol towards him. And then I was like, oh, wait, he commentates for the American side of La Liga. That's why. Um, Yeah, the dude's just bad. I just I don't like these refs that. And maybe it's better for players' health or something by calling all these fouls, but I don't like when the game sounds like this. You know, it's just whistle, whistle, whistle. It's like, oh, my God. It was just so frustrating. Like, so that just destroys the flow of every match, and I just hate it, you know? They will just never, ever find that balance between letting it flow and then sort of calling up every single thing. I mean, you know, we see it every bloody week with Bukayo Saka and England fans finally started to notice, uh, you know, I was surrounded by my mates in the pub, and they were like, oh, my God, he's getting fouled every five seconds and nothing's being given. And I was like... Yeah, this does happen. I'm not just chatting out my ass. Um, Even if he <laughs> plays against your club too. Yeah, it happens. Um, and, you know, th- there's that part of it where they seem to let it go and then there's games. Why can't you just find that right balance? I, I, I know it's it's one of the toughest jobs in the world and there's so much scrutiny on you, but uh, the people just it can't seem to get it right. And the big, um, but, uh, the thing that really ground. Oh, sorry, I uh, went on mute for a second there. Um, was uh, 
when France were on the counter-attack and the ref was not giving those advantages. I, I just think advantages are such a simple sort of thing to play for a referee. You're literally just not giving a decision. Um, and yeah, it did kill France on a number of occasions. And I think, Although, yeah, to be fair, okay. if you are going to play an advantage and it's a yellow card opportunity, give the card. Three different occasions, he didn't go back yeah, and get a yellow point, card. Yeah, good point. Yeah, over, like, that, that is actually poor refereeing, but I do agree with your point as well, Rob. Yeah, yeah. I was a lot longer of, of a World Cup chat than I planned on having, but I think it was a good discussion. I think and, it was needed, to be fair. Yeah, I haven't so really had a little roundup, and you know, yeah. there were some very interesting parts of this World Cup, and Definitely. I'm sure it won't be the last we speak of it because I, I can see for certain that there's going to be more stories coming out about it in the next few weeks. Yeah, same. Uh, especially on the on the France side, you guys know I'm, I I like uh, I like Benzema a lot, and that whole weird thing going on right now is crazy. I've been keeping up with that thing's like a damn soap opera. Um, you seen that he's um, unfollowed Chiumani on uh, on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. who's his club teammate. I don't know why he's being so petulant. Like, what are you what are you doing? Uh, whatever. Um, I like uh, let me uh, let me say this. I like him as a player. I maybe don't care for him as a person. Um, but I think you could say that about most, not most, a lot of professional footballers. Um, kind of weird, though, that uh, I'll come to you first with this, uh, Rob. Kind of weird that we maybe didn't see as much Arsenal involvement um, in the World Cup as we would have expected, especially um, when you look at like a Saliba, for example, it just took no part. I mean, what, he played one game or something. And, I, you know, just a lot of. Arsenal action on national teams benches, you know, I cannot believe that Ben White did not um, speak of the stories coming out. I don't know what the heck's the situation with that. Um, maybe it is just something in his personal life. I don't know. Um, but a lot, uh, not a lot of Arsenal action on the pitch. Do you think coming back into the season, I know Jesus got that terrible injury. He's going to be out for a few months, which is just a tragedy. Um, and in fact, we made a whole podcast about it, the um, Eddie one. You could probably still go back and listen to that, to be honest, because I think it's still a relevant discussion. Um, aside from that, though, do you think our players kind of still being fresh and not overplayed in the World Cup is going to help us going into the second uh, half of the season? I think um, the, the easy answer here is to, to very much sit on the fence. And I, I think that's probably the, the only correct answer. Um, because on the one hand, of course, it's great that the majority of our squad, apart from arguably our, well, pro- probably not our most important player, I'd argue our most important player uh, is probably our holding midfielder, Thomas Partey. Um, but, you know... Gabriel Jesus is so important to us. And top, been, top, top three, four, five for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, he's really changed a lot of... I think he has been responsible for a lot of the sort of shift in mindset this season towards, you know, really pushing to win every single game and, and fighting for a title. Um, aside from that, you know, we, we've got all our players back unscathed. Um I've got to say, as much as um, it's great that a lot of our players were, were not involved in the action, I, I do see those who were sort of perhaps heavily involved going out in the quarterfinals sort of time. I do see them benefiting from that, the likes of Bukayo Saka. Uh, I think, you know, those players that 
that really went deep in the competition will be very, very sharp heading back into the Premier League. I mentioned that I watched City Liverpool tonight. You know, Haaland's got his goal, but other than that, um, he wasn't that effective. Uh, Again, Salah scored, but not that influential. It was those players that had been to the World Cup, which were perhaps surprisingly uh, sharp. And I think it will just be really interesting to see um, because we've we've never had this before, straight from a tournament into a Premier League season. Uh, who will be the more the more, the more benefited? Those players who have the match sharpness, or or the players that uh, have been left at home. I, I I hate to say it, but I probably think someone like William Saliba will be the one to benefit the least because he's just been sat on the bench the whole time and doesn't have the match sharpness. At least he's been training sort of intensely for France. But yeah, disappointing that he didn't get minutes. And I don't know, as for why Arsenal players didn't get many minutes, I do think there's this whole sort of culture around us that even though we're top of the league, uh, or opinion, I should say, that we're we're not that good. But um, I I don't, again, Ben White should be playing for England. I totally agree, but... I, I couldn't really care less that he's not, as long as we know he's good. That That's all that matters. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think there is a weird sort of... Um, but I think this will change as we're getting a lot better. Um, I think maybe we're still associated with not being the best, best team in the world, for sure. Because I look at somebody like, you know, Upamakano, for example, on France... And I thought he had a couple really nice moments um, where he kind of showed how positive his aggression can be. He's just an extremely aggressive defender, so front-footed and very confident. Um, But then there were other moments where I'm like, why is Saliba not, like, taking some minutes from this guy? I just think he competes with Dupamakano and is maybe even – got a higher ceiling and maybe he just is better than him. I don't know, you know? So I just, yeah, it is a bit weird. Um, I also look at someone like Ramsdale who didn't get to play. I know Pickford's a nice choice for England and he, and he fits the system well. And I will say he's pretty, pretty damn good on the international stage to be fair to him. Um, but I just think it's not that absolute for me. I don't think Pickford deserves to always be starting over Ramsdale. I just, I, I get it. You want that continuity, whatever. But I don't know. I think Ramsdale deserves. It's some. just one of those things. While well, Southgate's still there, Pickford's his man, and For sure. you know, the, the part of my frustration about him not leaving uh, is that I probably means we won't see Ben White in an England squad for a while if the reports are to be believed. Yeah, same here. I I, I agree. Mac, what do you think? Do you think that um, we're going to benefit or? Maybe this will hurt us a little bit, maybe not having our players be totally sharp. Because I understand what Rob's saying, but is this maybe not a thing that's going to be nice now? Like the players are sharp now, but then later on in the season, maybe they start to run out of gas. I think it's running out of gas is an interesting one. I also think it's, you know, an injury risk. Like consider that we sent, I think, the fourth most players of any English team to the World Cup had them play nah might be fifth um and then had that they I know they played the fifth most minutes of any team in the World Cup um it, it I, for me I think it's a case of if you look at a lot of teams you know sharpness is a real issue um despite what Erling Holland's 
nice little Sky Sports promo that everyone's seen 13 million times might suggest, I really do think a lot of the players that went to the World Cup are going to be very good in what's going to be, I think, a pretty tumultuous Christmas period. I mean, look at even just Marcus Rashford, who was in the absolute bin coming into the World Cup, hasn't really been great this season, had an amazing couple of games and is kind of clearly hot on that form. The same with Bukayo Saka, who, let's not forget, scored three goals this World Cup. That's not small. Um, And is really well-loved by the England squad. Kind of that confidence is back. I think, you know, going to the French center-back discussion, I'm fine with Konate. I'm fine with Upamakano. I think they were quite good. Why Rafael Varane is starting, you know, I don't think he's one of those players that is better for his national team. Um, I think that he is, frankly, aging prematurely. you know, he was good for them. but Again, another yeah. another guy moved to United. I just don't get it. I don't get why these guys do this, you know? I, I, I mean, to an extent, you could have made the same argument for Arsenal as soon as, you know, in the last f- three years of the Wenger era, right? It's a big club with low prospects, and, you know, now it's all about the build and the project and the forward momentum. But there were a lot of times in the past couple of years where we've been finishing eighth or we haven't had that, and... We've still been recruiting kind of top class players for the project. I think that for me, I will always rate kind of sharpness above rest. But I also say that because we're a squad not in an injury crisis. If we went into this World Cup, you know, with half of our team hamstrung, I would have been like, yes, all of the rest. Glad players are getting eliminated. With a player like Thomas Partey, I'm very glad because he's an injury risk always, right? With someone like William Saliba, Less so, because he hasn't had that proven in his three years that he's been on loan in France. He's been fit constantly. Um, And that's that difference, right? You know, with Ben White, there's a chance, okay, yes, he's probably third in line for the right-back spot because Kyle Walker still exists. Kieran Trippier is quite good. And make that fourth because Reese James is injured, but will have that starting role when he returns, right? That's kind of Southgate's preferred tier list. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's all going to balance out. Most teams have actually sent, most Premier League teams have actually sent quite a large rostrum of players to the World Cup. And those that haven't, um, frankly, their players are pretty injured. I mean, really, the only team that I see truly benefiting from this World Cup with the rest is like a West Ham, where, you know, they've had time to kind of bond on the training pitch um, and they're in dire straits, so they need it right now. You know, not really a Leeds United, but like, the teams that haven't had many players go are also the teams that probably needed that break. If you've, if you subscribe to the athletic, they just did a little, like what the premier league teams have been up to like five minute info dump about half of the premier league sent their teams on like full two week vacations before their, you know, warm weather training camps. We have not notably most of the big teams have not. There's been a big valuation, especially in the upper echelons of the premier league of prioritizing you know, intense training over kind of taking a break. I think with smaller teams, it's more about team cohesion, being having the players in a good mood, kind of being cohesive enough to survive. It's a narrative that you hear from a lot of former English Premier League players, and I think one that will continue. So I think for us, the fact that we might not have so many players perfectly fresh isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's much, much like everything we've discussed really today. It's, it's, you can sit on the fence and that's probably the right answer to be fair. You mentioned West Ham though, Mac, you're the man. 
around the good transitions today. So appreciate it. Let's let's hop into West Ham for the next uh, twenty minutes or so, and then we'll. I'm glad you caught that. Yes, of course. Um, uh, We love a transition. Um, Let's let's talk about him, Uh, Rob. West Ham, like you were saying, not great form. What is it, fifteenth, sixteenth of the table? Um, Not having a good season at all. Things were looking promising there, and I just I, I had like a weird amount of hope for them coming into the season with like the, you know bringing in a player like Skamaka for example. It was like oh okay okay, and he's done well to be fair, but just the the season has been strange for them. Do you think this is a really good sort of team to to come back um, to the to the Premier League against? Uh, I'm glad it's at home. If I, if it was away, I, I'd I'd have uh, slightly different feelings about this one, but. Um, actually, before the break, we didn't have many home league games. Our final home game was that Brighton one in the Carabao Cup. Um, so yeah, it's been been a little while since uh, we we played at home. Um, and yeah, West Ham is is an interesting one. Um, last season, obviously, they they were right up there. They were in the Champions League conversation with us for a lot of the season, and then they fell off as they began to prioritise the Europa League and. And they made a few really astute signings. Uh, you know, they managed to get their hands on Paqueta when it sounded like half of Europe was after him. Uh, he hasn't really hit the ground running, but I'm sure he'll come good. He's an excellent player. And then, as you say, Skamaka up top as well. I think they've been hampered quite a lot in defence. Uh, the Aguirre, who played for Morocco at the World Cup, has been nursing injury problems since he's joined. Um and yeah, I think I think uh, despite that, they've been actually very good defensively. Though I saw a stat that they have uh, the second best expected goals against in uh, in the Premier League this season, which is you know something that surprised me quite a bit, considering they haven't had the best of seasons. Um, but I did read that Kurt Zuma is an injury doubt coming into this one, and he's sort of been the cornerstone amid all the chaos surrounding their centre backs. Um, so probably something that we can play on. Hopefully Eddie can get his goal. Uh, we really need Eddie and Katia to get a goal on Boxing Day because it would just be the perfect sort of pedestal for him to to, to play off and hopefully get on a bit of a goal-scoring run until Jesus can come back into the team. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it is the sort of game you're looking through the Premier League table, apart from you know those obvious relegation candidates. If you could pick a team, West Ham at home, could very well be up there in terms of what you'd want for a first game back. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, let's just get into maybe personnel then. We were talking about him a little bit earlier. Mac, do you think that guys like Bukayo Saka, do you throw him right back in? Do you start him? I mean, is this – I know he, he didn't make it all the way to the end of the competition, but he made it deep to the quarterfinals. So do you sort of just – slowly integrate him back into the team, maybe start him on the bench, or are you just Bukayo Saka's our most important player, or maybe first or second for me, um, and you just say, we, we have to start this guy. What do you do? I am wrapping him in bubble wrap and then absolutely heave-hoeing him into the game to start. Um, there's no other option for me, I think. And frankly, it has to do with the fact that we don't exactly have a surplus of quality wingers right now. Um, regardless of what flank, but Saka is really irreplaceable in this team. Um, And I think he will have enough time with the squad to gel and to, you know, be cohesive again. Um, That's not necessarily a worry for me. 
I also don't think he's much of an injury worry because Lord knows Southgate likes to play a different wide setup every single match. So even though he did, you know, score prolifically and play really well, um, he also didn't play a massive number of minutes. So no, I think he starts. Um, frankly, the only real issue, the only real kind of dilemma that we have in terms of personnel is obviously left backs. Zinchenko is once again on the, you know, potential injury list. Kieran Tierney is once once again on the potential injury list. Um, I do not want to have Fulham bound Cedric Suarez. God, please. Starting at left back, I think it'll probably be Tomayasu if anyone. Um, um, unfortunately, an injury. But uh, he is injured. Well. I know. <laughs> I know. All of our good right backs. Um, and Lord knows we cannot play a back three right now because that would just destroy all of our foundations. Um, right. So, you know, if it's Cedric Suarez, it's Cedric Suarez. And we just have to hope and pray. Um, uh, I, 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 I heard Fabio Vieira played there in his, in his yeah. youth days. <laughs> <laughs> God, please. I mean, I, I imagine like the Fabio Vieira Martinelli link up. Cedric's reaction to that. Yeah. <laughs> the one real nice thing, Daniel, in terms of personnel, is that we do finally have Emil Smith Rowe back. Um, he's not 100% fighting fit, but he is really making his like swift return enough where Adrian Clark wrote a cheesy Premier League.com piece about it that you shouldn't read because it's basic as hell. Um, I'm not an Adrian Clark fan, but Damn. anyway, um, no, Jen, I, I, he frustrates me, but, uh, um, he doesn't appear much. You, yeah. Sorry, just to have a tangent. He doesn't no, appear much on the Arsenal channels as much these days though. No, he used to do it's, like it's, the breakdown by the premier league, I think. Oh, like, wow. Fr- from Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> Headhunted for his stupid beard. Anyway. Um, I think most of the, personnel issues you know that we've discussed in Ketia etc are good frankly what I am happy with is as long as we have our midfield core and you know Gabrielle is fit and we have Saliba again we should be all right yeah I agree it, it just god it's so annoying this I mean we're not even back yet we're already seeing Arsenal be Arsenal man with these injuries it's like come on Come on. So I'm hoping we have like a crazy... Yeah, and the irony of Zinchenko and Tierney being two players who haven't played football in a month. Over I know. A month. I know. What are the odds? Um, well, sadly, quite good because they both are injured all the time. So, um, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling, source, trust me, bro. I have a feeling, though, that one of them will be fit. I think it'll probably be Tierney. And I think we'll be looking back at this conversation and be like, oh, well... It wasn't as bad as we as we thought it was going to be. So, yeah. Um, uh, oh, ooh, I want to talk about this. I'm trying to think about other things to talk about with regards to West Ham because it just feels weird to talk about Arsenal now since it's been so long. I'm so, like, in World Cup mode at this point, sort of, you know. Um, Martinelli, Rob. The rumors are that he is going to sign another it, just, it seems like he just recently signed a new contract, but hey, the more contracts, the merrier for me. Um, looks like he's going to be, the reports are saying, we don't know if this is true or not, but reports are saying it's going to be like 200 grand a week, and it's going to be a nice long-term contract. Two questions I'll ask you right now then. First of all, what does this mean for Martinelli going into the future? Is this like, oh, he is that guy now on the left? And he's just always going to be starting. Um, And then two, what does this mean for Bukayo Saka? 
and his contract. Because surely you're going to have to pay more than Martinelli, am I right? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I'll get onto that that last question. Wow, um, I hadn't really thought about that too much. Um, I just think he's been told he's starting up front against West Ham. And um, you know, inevitably, he's he's going to sign the contract. No, we all know that um, Eddie and Ketty is going to start up top against West Ham, and we'll have Martinelli on the left. I think, yeah. The thing is with Martinelli is that I think, yeah. But at this point, for me, he is a winger. Uh, I think he can do a he can do a job up top, but he is a winger. And yeah, I just think he signing that contract is that first choice option on on the left wing uh you know sounds like we're still interested in signing a player to compete with him as we spoke about last week do go and uh, listen to that show if uh if you want to hear about madrid alfie and i went quite in depth on that one um <clears throat> but yeah i think it just shows how important he is to us and for me i just sort of when I, when i think about wages uh i think about what Arsenal are, what Arsenal want to be, uh, and then sort of how much a player is worth. At the moment, Arsenal, I would say, you know, I don't want to tempt fate. I think, you know, we're we're very much moving towards being a a top four club Uh, right now. However, we are top of the league. This guy's a starting winger who scored uh, a number of goals for us this season, who I would say is probably have to evaluate him at about a hundred million pounds. And I think a player who's worth that much money is, you know, unless they're, they're very, very young and a, a, a essentially a prodigy. I think they probably warrant that sort of cash. Uh, that's just sort of the, 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 the nature of the market. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's more of an incentivized contract that is working towards that 200 grand. We won't want to unbalance the wage structure too much, but I I would also say I wouldn't be uncomfortable with paying Bukayo Saka more than that, just because he's our franchise player. I think at the end of the day, you've, you've, the whole world now knows who Bukayo Saka is, um, and being our best player and most important, uh, I think he probably warrants a, sort of that huge pay package that the best in the league get. I mean, hopefully not the best in the league. He's playing for his boyhood club at the end of the day. Hopefully the 250 ballpark will satisfy him. But yeah, I think I'm comfortable with those two earning that sort of money at this stage in their career. Me too. I, I personally, though, I think that Sacco will probably get 300, honestly. I, I think that's, that's what you're going to have to give him to keep him at the team because City will give him that. Plus, of course, yeah, of course. You know, so you have to look. I know it's annoying, and we feel like we just got this beautiful wage structure in place. But when you have a world class player, Saka's getting to be one of the best players in the world, man. You have to give him a lot of money if you want to keep him around. That's just that's the way it is. Um, and if we can't, then you got to sell him. Like that's it. It's, it's, it's that I harsh. mean, um, unfortunately, as Arsenal fans. We can't call him the best winger in the Premier League or the best right winger in the Premier League and not also expect that he will want the same sort of money that Mohamed Salah's on at Liverpool. They're just two things that can't sort of go hand in hand. You know, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like a lot different than the Ozil situation because Ozil wasn't our best player, but he was such like... He was so commercially valuable and just so famous. Oh, he, he had the Ronaldo wages, didn't he? That, that's that's why he got those wages. Right. Yeah. But I think Saka, it's, it's a little different. So I don't think 
I think giving Saka that sort of money and the fact that he's English too, I don't think it's it's in a weird way. It's not as dangerous as giving an Ozil those sort of wages. So I don't know. Um, just before we wrap up, just because we're only going to go for a few minutes more. Um, Mac heading into this uh, West Ham game. Well, just something a little different, I guess, before we get into the marketing opportunities of a lifetime. Who? I'm going to ask you just, and then I'll have an answer of my own too. Who is the player to watch in this one for you? Uh, I'd say in terms of the player, I think is going to make the most impact. I think Martinelli's about to have a flyer. I always love watching him against West Ham specifically for some reason, but player to watch is Eddie Nketiah. Um, specifically because a lot of our fortunes for the next two months, plus probably a little bit more, are going to hinge on him. Um, he is the one, you know, in a in a starting eleven that has been very predictable this season. He is the one unpredictable element, the one thing that has not necessarily been tried by fire with this group yet. Um, so for him to be successful would be amazing. I if he fails, I don't think it's a get him out, got to get a striker in in January because we all know him. He usually takes two or three games and then sets off firing. But no, I think if he can have an instant impact, the fortunes of this team have a really good chance to continue on the track that they are because he is a player of that quality. Yeah, I agree. I for me, the player to watch is Nketiah as well. I'm I'm intrigued. I I've, I've always had a soft spot for, for Eddie. And I'll be honest, I was one of them that was like, Oh, he's, he's done. He's just not good enough, blah, blah, blah. And I, I even just like two weeks ago, was like, I'm just not confident going into this period without Jesus, but just in Kedzie up front, because he's just such a, it's, he has the quality, but he's just such a hot and cold sort of player. You know, I think Martinelli against West Ham, though, is fun too. So that's a good shout as well. But Rob, I was bummed when Nketiah didn't score against Juventus because he just had two oh, magnificent opportunities that he wasn't quite able to to knock into the back of the net. But um, I, I think just him getting a goal will be crucial. So that's why he's my my guy to watch. Even if it's a crappy, ever-typical Nketiah goal, I think that would be huge. But anyway, is that your player to watch, too, or do you have someone else? No, 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 no. My player is none other than Benjamin White. Um, if the reports are to believed, I think this man is going to have a nice little point to prove. Um, not that he's the sort of guy that is particularly phased by that sort of stuff, I don't think. I just think he'll come in and get on with his job. But Ben White coming in and getting on with his job is something that he's done every week this season. And he's just been absolutely outstanding, sometimes so outstanding to the case that you don't notice how outstanding he is just because he's that good every week. Um, you know, I don't want to blow smoke up his ass too much, but he, he's just excelled in that right back role. Um, that was an interesting element of uh, Arteta's interview yesterday with Sky, actually. Spoke about how he thought about the white thing last season. Did actually use him at right back sparingly. Um, but uh, so I remember Norwich away started at right back and we had holding at centre back. But yeah, uh, looking forward to watching Benny Blanco play at right back once again. And uh, I'm just still a bit gutted that I couldn't watch him face up against Mbappe because I think it just would have been absolutely hilarious because I, I, I genuinely wonder, has this man watched Mbappe play before? Like, does he know how good he is? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wow, this guy's... He's like in a in a in an interview after he's like that guy was playing against was 
was pretty good. You know, after after England had won three 0 and Ben White had completely nullified the threat of Kylian Mbappe, he'd be like, that guy was pretty good. He was sort of a challenge. So, <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been a spectacle to behold. All right, I am getting tired. To be honest, I think my drugs are kicking in. Um, so let's let's call it to a close. Let's draw this bad boy to a close. I'll start with Mac once again. Mac, marketing opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, we love you. Have another cut, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say it. Yeah, of course. Every time. Uh, and also, I might actually start writing again. But also, uh, that interview that Rob mentioned with Arteta. Um, watch it. Then go immediately watch the press conference that he did for the for pre West Ham. And watching the two like line up back to back is super cool. Um, again, shout out to those totally legal streams of everything. Um, yeah, found 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 one of his interview, and it's really brilliant. Um, genuinely quite cool to kind of get his perspective and to hear about the five year plan. Um, and also just a quick last shout out to both Beth Mead and Viviana Miedema. To Beth Mead for you know, winning sports, uh, I think it was personality of the year um, in the least personable ceremony of all time and for signing her new Arsenal contract, but also to both of them. They are now living in a house of torn ACLs. Um, yeah, we are without them. We are without Leah Williamson, Kim Little. Arsenal women are are in dire straits, but they will persevere. We're winning the league this year. We're do, We're doing a double men and women. I won't put my life on that, but I'm very confident. Uh, yeah, just feels bad for them, but also shout out to Beth Mead for for being the best. Ferris, good, good, very good. And um, Amoxicillin, what do you have to say? I won't lie, Mac just literally took everything that I had in mind. <laughs> all, all three things. Uh, but yeah, the I'm in- the worst today. I'm being <laughs> horrible. Um, uh, if I may. You know, as someone who watched the uh, interview legally, um, I will say it, it was it was absolutely brilliant. And I'm not talking about the, the film uh, about Kim Jong Un. I'm talking about <laughs> the oh, interview. that's a great movie. I love Such that. Such a good movie. Um, I'm talking about the interview with uh, Jamie Carragher and Mikel Arteta. Uh, yeah, if if you can, make sure to give that one a watch, just because he delves into so many fascinating things and. It, Arteta is just one of those guys when he speaks you you just you can't help but listen it, he he comes across so so well shout out to Rob for quoting his own Twitter <laughs> sorry we don't have uh, visuals I just did a nice piece on <laughs> nice nice and um, you know what instead of a marketing opportunity of a lifetime you said the word Twitter and you just reminded me that we actually had a question that I failed. I had two questions. You're so right. So Dude, This uh, is why we don't do a question segment. <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot. Allow it. I'm on drugs. Go on. Um, yeah. So this is going to be some nice uh, dead air while I uh, pull this up. Give me one moment here. I like how I say it's dead air and I don't stop talking. So it's absolutely not uh, dead air. All right. James, our freaking jingle creator, my favorite, um, has two questions. One is Arsenal related. Um, the other is pretty impressive. And I wish we, we took some time to study this 
beforehand, but I'm going to be totally honest with you, James. We did not. Um, his first question, by the way, folks, I'm trying to use the social media more. I say that every freaking day, but then I don't do it. Um, but when I ask questions and nobody replies, at least we got one reply this time. It's just, it takes it out of me and I don't want to do it. So ask questions, man. Seriously, it hurt my feelings. Anyway, here's the questions from James. One, how do you guys think having Eddie up top will affect Arsenal's attacking play? So I'm assuming what he means there is like, do you think the shape will change at all? And um, actually, let's just go to Mac with that one. And then I'll, maybe I'll go to Rob with the second one. Go ahead. Uh, I'll keep it under 30 seconds, classic pundit style. I think that Inketia will influence things slightly. He tries to play a little farther up the pitch. He's more of a poacher. Um, I do think he's gotten better in his hold up and build up play, but we tend to see him do that kind of dropping deeper wide as opposed to like flitting behind the wingers and letting them come inside as Jesus does with Martinelli. I think if Nketiah and Martinelli can develop that kind of swappable chemistry that he and Jesus have, it'll be all right. But I also think there's the potential for us to look a little more static and a little less free-flowing up top. Yeah, I think I would I would agree with that. I think Eddie brings a weird, not that obviously Jesus is one of the most industrious strikers in the world, but I think... Well, he quite is. He's very, he's very industrious. He literally is. Yeah, you know, so I think... Eddie, though, is industrious as well in a sort of a different way, you know, maybe like not as calculated in his, um, I guess, hard work. So, yeah, it'll be, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with that. And like I said a few minutes ago, just hoping he can get, you know, some goals to his game. I imagine if he got like a hat trick against West Ham, that would be just phenomenal for us, man. And, and then winning the league, baby. Um Rob, I got a great question for you. Just try to keep it. All right. So here's you got to keep it over 30 minutes, the answer, and under an hour. Okay. Sound good? So like 30, 45 minutes is what the professor is looking for, really. Evaluate the view. Of, <laughs> sorry, hold on. It's just a hard question to read because it's packed with philosophical jargon. Um, evaluate the view that the thinking mind and body are separate. Use philosophical scholars to support your answer. Uh, James, you're in luck. I studied uh, philosophy at A-level, uh, but you're slightly out of luck because I also remember none of it. Um, but I will say, go and read a bit of Plato and Aristotle. They, they know a thing or two about... Um, Plato, fun to play with, not to eat. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, the, the realms. A uh, bit of spinach and Aristotle dip, my favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and and yeah, all, all I'll say is um, good luck, and let me know how it goes, Jim. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to leave this one to you. I think you're you're better suited to answering it, Jim. So good luck, mate. A genius. See, if you compliment somebody enough, you can deflect any pressure mounted on you. That's quite clever from uh, Rob, who is a social specimen. Brilliant. Um, or should I say amoxicillin, who apparently Mac Mac is allergic to the other man he's recording the podcast with. So he will now break out in high as he is holding up crossed fingers like Rob is a spawn of Satan. So anyway, let's draw this bad boy to a close as Alfie Coleshaw would say we need a song.
Do you guys have anything uh, in mind? Because I'm going to be totally honest with you. I definitely don't. Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. I'll take it. Easy enough. Uh, folks, thanks a million for tuning in. By the way, our Spotify ratings have gone up from 4.7 to 4.8 stars. That is largely down to you guys leaving reviews. You cool uncles out there. We appreciate you. Keep leaving them, please. We hate ourselves. We need you to show us that you like us so we have a reason to wake up every morning. Okay? Seriously. Um, share it with all your cool uncles. Share it with everyone. I don't really care, but cool uncles first and then the rest of the other people afterwards and then we go from there. Eventually, we will be the um, you know biggest podcast in the world. It'll be fun. So any, anyway, um, we'll talk soon. Um, quick little promo before we draw this bad boy to a close for real now. Drunkcast is coming, folks. Uh, episode 150 is going to be packed with hoots, hollers, booze, and yes. <laughs> dollars. Ooh. Dollars, booze, and dollars. Just kidding. No dollars. Not enough of you leave reviews, so we don't have any money. You got to start leaving reviews, folks. I'm going to get evicted from this apartment because of you. Come on. What are you doing? Let's go. I'm getting tired. All right, guys. It was a pleasure. Talk soon. Bye. Goodbye. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Two trailer park girls go round the outside, round the outside, round the outside.
Fix your bed antenna, tuning in and then I'm gonna enter in and up under your skin like a splinter The center of attention, back for the winner, I'm interesting The best thing since wrestling, investing in your kids' ears and nesting Testing, attention please Feel the tension, soon as someone mentions me Here's my ten cents, my two cents is free A nuisance, who sent? You sent for me? Now this looks like a job for me So everybody, just follow me Cause we need a little controversy Now this 